Hey everybody, welcome to the Gimme the Loot Podcast, the Dungeons and Dragons 5th Edition actual play podcast that's back on schedule with its off-week content. Hey, look, this week is a rebroadcast of our interview with actor, writer, and legit all-around stand-up guy, Todd Stashwick. You've seen him on shows like 12 Monkeys, among a ton of others, notably Supernatural and Heroes. Mr. Stashwick was gracious enough to, at the drop of a hat, really come on our streaming show, talk about his sincere love for Dungeons and Dragons and the project that he's doing. We had a blast doing the interview. It was such a great time. I think you'll really enjoy his dive into his history with the game and how passionate he is about it. And look, get over to the nerdcircus.com. I'm going to put a link in the show below before you ask. This isn't an ad. There's no commission. There's there's none of that. We we are not shilling for anybody, mainly because nobody has asked us for, to shill for them yet. If you would like us to shill for you, I can be contacted at DM for Dungeon Master at GMDLcast.com. No, this is legit praise for some gear that I think is just worth every penny. Mystic Libations is such a cool book. If you're into themed cocktail books, it's got a subclass in it. It's got adventure hooks. It's got a one shot. It's got maps and it is crafted with all the care and love for this game that you will hear come across in this man's voice in this interview. So get over to the nerdcircus.com. Check out Mystic Libations while you're there. The dice trays, the dice, all that stuff is really cool swag. So give it a look. Just a reminder, this is a rebroadcast from a stream, so you're going to hear some more bits, bobs, and pops. The audio will have a little bit more feedback in it from the streaming platform. And as always, Gimme the Loot is not a family-friendly show for all the other reasons that we ever bring it up. Uh, mostly profanity, language, violence, gore, and crude humor. Although there's really not that much of it in this one. Heads up, it's there. So, cool. Folks, dig in. Thanks for listening. As always, we really appreciate you jumping into the off-week content. Check out The Nerd Circus and hope you enjoy the rebroadcast of the show. Boom! Start jarring transition now. Hey, everybody. Uh, we are live. Uh, welcome to another episode of Guest Quest, the TTRPG talk show brought to you by the Gimme the Loot podcast, the Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition actual play podcast. That's still a little bit surprised that people agree to talk to him. Uh, we are joined this week uh, by a Mr. Todd Stashwick, a guest whose resume is so dense it literally would take the entire stream to read through it. So, we're, but please, uh, well, we're going to save it for Patreon content. That's that's some sweet, sweet content. <laughs> well, like our patron supporters have been clamoring for Jamie, who's unfortunately not here tonight, to fold laundry on an hour-long stream. That's a fetish. They've got some real specific kinks, and we service those kinks. Just do it slowly. Um, and we've been, we were like, what do we, what do we do? What do we have him do? Let me sketch it while he's folding the laundry and stumbling across your IMDb list. It's like, okay, one, he's got to dress up like a Zelda character. Two, he's got to fold the laundry. Three, he's got to hit hundred percent of Stashwick's acting credits, and that, Done. and Done. and that is worth at least five dollars a month. So, yeah, 
Uh, all about the feet and laundry. <laughs> Get it real quick. Let's hit uh, Todd's bio. Todd Stashwick is an actor and writer, a Chicago native. He's an alumnus of the famed Second City Comedy Theater. Um, as an actor, he's known for uh, his role in Deacon on the sci-fi shows 12 Monkeys and Dale Malloy on the FX drama The Riches. Um, other notable roles include Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Heroes, Supernatural, The Originals, and Gotham, and the live-action Kim Possible as Dr. Draken on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> nice. He recently, co uh, recently completed co-writing a video game script for Square Enix. You've heard of them before, I bet. Uh, titled Forspoken. That'll be due out in the spring. And he's currently working with a group of writers for an upcoming Marvel game with Skydance New Media. Uh, Todd continued to develop television, film, and comic book properties because we don't have enough Renaissance men these days anymore, and we needed another one. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Todd is a longtime RPG enthusiast. Uh, he has been active in the Dungeons & Dragons community where he's DM'd and played in charity streams. He's guest DM'd for Dungeon Run, looks forward to running games this year at GaryCon. In, in Lake Geneva. Um, he recently created his own merchandise store, uh, Todd Stashwick's Nerd Circus, where he sells dice, uh, dice towers, t-shirts, glasses, and D&D &D inspired, uh, D &D -inspired uh, tiki cocktail book he created with a uh, former Imagineer, <laughs> Brendan Clayla. Huh. Uh, uh, and, and let me recommend uh, the Cantrip Sipper definitely, uh, definitely <laughs> gets the seal of approval. It is... Nice. Uh, any cocktail that, that has I'm a prop comic any, anything that says garnish with a pad of butter immediately gets my vote so uh, it is a uh, it is a it is a win uh, so uh, he, Todd lives in LA with his wife his two children and his too many pits too, uh, too many pets not pits uh, Mr. Todd Stashwick thank you for joining us sir we absolutely appreciate it thanks for having me so you know I you you did Jasper's game week last year or the, the year before last I've done it several, uh, no I did it I've done it quite a few times. That's quite a few times. That's actually how I found out you are in the TTRPG community of all things. I did. Yeah. Um, I did Jasper's last year, and I was like, "Oh, hey, look, it's the guy from Twelve Monkeys." Oh, but look, yeah. that, that's Gail Simone. So I ended up. I ended up doing the one with Gail <laughs> Simone. So I'm sorry, you you lost out. No, I get yeah. it. She she wrote Batgirl. I did not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was it was hard to pass up. It was her, Christina Ariel, um, and some some other really cool people. Um, <laughs> oh, uh, they're far prettier than me. It's not about looks <laughs> though. A little bit. It, it's a you know. It's not, it, 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 uh, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. Turn it into a, a, a beauty contest. Look, if there's any show that can it's prove it's, it's not that about me. looks, we are, that, we, we, are, we are here. We are here for it. Speak for yourselves. Oh. I'm a handsome bear. <laughs> That's true. That's there true. Um, uh, so right off the top, uh, impre super impressive multi-class. Actor slash Second City Improv alum slash comic writer slash video game writer slash TTRPG writer slash nerd. <laughs> Lots of slashing damage. Not, yeah, there you go. Slash nerd circuits ringmaster slash DM slash dad slash director. Did we did we miss? Any, is there anything you don't do? I'm not really good with the water polo. Mm. Take some time to get used to. I've tried. I've tried. I'm just not very buoyant. <laughs> did you call himself? Did he call himself Dents? <laughs> no, no. It's it's all that experience waiting him down. Ah. It's, it's the years of experience. It's, so um, I absolutely want to dig into your work with Amy Henning on video games, um, Mystic okay. Libations, and of course, the cool gear from Nerd Circus. Um, but let's kind of start with the RPG history a little bit, if you don't mind. Um, you're, a, you're a first edition guy, right? That's where you, you kind of got into it? Yeah. I started playing in 78, 79. So uh, yeah, I, I, was that, I was that kid. I was that, uh, you know, you watch Stranger Things and it looks like a documentary. Like I was that kid in the late 70s early 80s in the basement in the midwest 
rolling dice with my friends and um, drawing all the pictures. And then, uh, so that was probably like 79 to 81. So from like 10 to 13, I was that kid. Started the D&D club in my junior high school uh there's a pic there's a, like a little black and white picture in the yearbook of me like being the boss just sitting in the middle of a group of all preteens, <laughs> and then uh uh like we would wheel in like the av department would wheel in a, a television so we could watch hawk the slayer um oh nice and it yeah uh and and that it consumed my life from from the and it was introduced to me by my cousin tori may he rest in peace uh and he uh he was like my cool goatee having cousin who played guitar and sang puff the magic dragon smoke pot and played D D. and i was just like mm -hmm. and uh and so he introduced the game to me i didn't play with him but he was like the first person to ever uh, utter the words dungeons and dragons to me and that was probably around 78 and then 79 it just slowly caught on with all of us uh yeah. 10 and 11 year olds and then uh i played pretty hard for three years and then uh satanic panic and uh and i uh was a, a a boy who was going to a bible camp and they told me it was gateway to devil so i came back and gave away all my stuff that i have now paid an exorbitant amount on ebay to get all back <laughs> but uh but yeah, like my dad had built me this box to keep all my stuff. And it was my parents pressure. They were like, no, gateway to hell, help yourself. Um, and so I, I had, uh, I had all my stuff. And then I literally thought like all the iconography, like it all added up. Yeah. Like it's the devil's work. And I was an impressionable 13 year old. And so I exited the scene, uh, I exited the scene just as the as the red box was coming in. You went straight into AD and D. Yeah, so I was I uh, I was uh, the the pink box, blue box, and then the box before that. Yeah. So like the Errol Otis cover boxes, mm -hmm. the two iterations of that, and then the very first one, which is just the dragon looking forward. Uh, I did not. I wasn't a white box guy. I do have a white box, but I. I was not a white box guy. I came in after it was a little more mass marketed. You, you can t um, you can tell how much older we are by the confused look on Fate and Jazz's <laughs> like what, what different what are these different guys the the Errol Otis I was so hardcore into the Errol Otis artwork in the older yeah. editions man that out of all the original D and D artists man He's his man. stuff was just unbelievable He's going to be at GaryCon this year Oh no joke I I just yeah. uh, I just found a bunch of his stuff and I was like oh there's an Errol Otis appreciation group I am in for it Yeah uh, he's he's his stuff is so uh, a little cartooned. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's, it's just really playful, but it really evocative, uh, and this, you know, it's all that old art is just the spirit of the event for me mm -hmm. because I was a young artist. I was a kid with a pencil and all of those, uh, all those old manuals and all of that. Well, they had hired a bunch of high school kids. Yeah. So you know their level of art <laughs> talent wasn't far beyond my own at that point. And so I was like, I can do this. Um, cause they were just sort of borrowing friends, uh, for TSR. And then, you know, as they got a little more ahead of steam, they started getting a little more painterly and, and, and whatnot, but man, that old school stuff really like plucks the nostalgia strings for me. Yeah. I, one of the first books I really, <laughs> yeah. 
Trophy yeah, a. no, absolutely. Like that's yeah. the uh, the uh, the idol of Moloch tattoo on your arm. I was like, oh, that is. Oh yeah, okay. That's that is uh, that is legit legit first edition cred. If you're going uh, old school DMG on your arm, yeah, so, uh, that says the indeed to me. Yeah, that that it would that that cover was just so evocative, more so than the player's handbook. That that cover and they um I my that is the player's handbook. Th- I thought it was the DMG. DMG has the Afrit on it. Oh, you're hundred percent oh, right. You are hundred percent right. No, no. Hey, credit where credit's due. He's abs. He's absolutely right. Uh, my my kids got me the um, the uh, dice tower with the uh, for with the idol of Moloch. Where you with the Moloch? Yeah, where you yeah, pop his head off and you drop it in. Um, yeah, it's it, a it's a wonderful thing. It's a it's a. I was like, I you know, so, I've, I've never been more proud of you kids. Yeah, I, somebody is it Wiz Kids? Maybe Wiz Kids. They're doing the Githyanki from the Fiend Folio and oh, the Athrite from the uh, from the DMG. Oh. Oh, that's awesome! Full statues. Full Wait, statues. Did Githyanki, it existed in early editions like that. I was mm-hmm. not aware. Oh, Githyanki is the cover of the Fiend yeah. Folio. Yeah, huh. and it is yeah. such such a just an amazing piece of art. Like that's why, and I, I think that's reason why that. Oh, okay. I guess the, I have it right that here. That monster's a, been so blowing my mind with nerddom right now, guys. I'm just gonna let I'm just gonna let y'all know. Y'all y'all have just yeah. Get, we're, <laughs> we're, this, yeah, that guy, Yo. that guy right there. Yeah. That yeah, that uh, and I and I guarantee you 100 that piece of art is why the Githyanki have been such an enduring enduring character yeah. across all editions. So the this this book was uh, essentially the British monster manual. So all of the editions they were coming up in England they were coming up with all of their own monsters to add in addition to, and so they they produced a second book as a companion to the monster manual, and that's the Fiend Folio. And that fiend folio. It, now that makes yeah, sense. it's so Jesus. fun. Yeah, deities and the deities and demigod source book was probably the first one that I got my hands on that really captured my. And Which one? The one um, that actually had the Cthulhu and the <laughs> Elric in it before they had the slight copyright dispute. Um, and, and one, and that's the. I mean, the Cthulhu artwork in that will stick with you for and for, for a long time. Let's say, okay, oh, that's good. That's, it that's is, great. It is really I have, good. I have both editions. I have the Cthulhu one and then the other one just because, uh, um, because uh, I have way too much downtime. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say something. Um, I've never felt more like a nerd hearing people talk about D&D because <laughs> I am now the outsider. I have, I have this, <laughs> so, this is my so first Harlan, time playing uh, D&D. Welcome. Uh, so, so what I would recommend if you have any, uh, if you have any, um, like gift cards for Christmas, pick up, go to, uh, go to Amazon and grab the art and arcana book Mm -hmm. by, uh, Kyle Newman and John Peters and, uh, the, the Whitwers, uh, Manganello does a thing. It's called art and arcana. You are going to love this book because it, um, it is the his- the visual history of Dungeons and Dragons. So it will take you through all these artists that we're talking about. It will talk about all of this, but it's it's really gorgeously assembled and uh it is it is just sort of a walking history museum as you go through like the the ads mm-hmm. that they were putting out, the video game art. It's a beautifully assembled tome. And really as as you are stepping into this, it's sort of like know your history. Like as you're stepping into this to this pastime, it's it's the resource I wish I had had. And then and it was one of these things that Kyle Newman you know, he, he was like, wait a second. He went to look for this book. He was like, oh, somebody's had to have assembled all the art. Uh, somebody's had to have done this. And he was like, they haven't. 
well, I guess that's what we're doing now. So he put a team together and made the book himself. And it is gorgeous. There is a collector's edition, which has in it a reproduction of the, uh, of the tomb of horrors convention Mm -hmm. pamphlet edition. So it's really, uh, (laughs) I envy you on your journey because it's, it's a really fun, deep dive into, um, into this hobby that you're now podcasting. It's, it's a, you'll, you'll really dig it and you'll get a real appreciation for all of the old time artists. There's also a documentary called eye of the beholder mm-hmm. on Amazon prime, which talks about all the artists as well. And as you, as you dive into it, <laughs> you'll see how that visual language carries forward and informs so much stuff down the road with on the video game, <laughs> comics, right. everything, because the, you know, the, the, the guys that were drawing and doing that stuff when, when God, I'm 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 older than those guys. But when you guys were younger, I hate to say when you guys are because it makes me sound even older. But they they all played D and D. I mean, there there is nobody who who didn't at at some point. So so the satanic panic knocks you out, and then you yeah. you come back in um, later down. Okay, <laughs> way later. Uh, so like I just I just I done and dusted. I was no. like I'm done. I'm done with Dungeons and Dragons, and then about. I don't say 15 years ago, I've told this story uh, 15 years ago. I was at an audition and uh, an actor by the name of Abraham, Abraham Ben Ruby uh, a really tall gentleman. He used to be on ER, mm-hmm. a lovely actor. He, I overhear him at the audition. He's like, Oh, I'm really tired. Cause I was up late playing Dungeons <laughs> and Dragons. And my ear went, what? <laughs> Cause it's now like long before I'm no longer afraid that I'm falling through the gates of hell. Mm. And I, and uh, <laughs> I, like I moved to Hollywood. Um, and so, uh, and so I hear Abraham talking about, I'm like, did you just say Dungeons and Dragons? <laughs> and he's like, yeah. And he's like, out loud too. He's like he said, it out, said loud. It out loud. And he's like, yeah, me and Lillard and a bunch of other people are playing D and D. And I was like, huh? Well, I didn't have a group and I wasn't going to insinuate myself mm-hmm. into his group. Cause you know, if you become clickish and not in a bad way, but like that becomes your tribe. Like right. that's your, this is the group you play with. And these are your people. And, uh, and you don't just sort of go, Hey, put me on your table. Right. Uh, <laughs> So it just got me like, what D and D is like still a thing or a thing again. I had walked away from it truly for like 35 mm-hmm. years ish. And it just, I didn't think about it. I was like, went to college, got into my own, uh, my own pursuits acting and, and, and whatnot. And, but that is when I went to eBay and started buying the books back. I'm like, I just, I just kind of want them back as like totems of power. I just want to smell the pages and look at the art and just get that old feeling back that, that, that sort of spark of imagination and that possibility, uh, that possibility of, of, of just be feeling young and feeling like a kid and feeling like that sense of adventure and wonder and all the things that I would get from watching the Rankin and Bass Hobbit oh, or yeah. the Bakshi Lord of the Rings, uh, and all of those feelings, it was just bringing it all back and it was home, you know, it was like a homecoming. Um, but I still wasn't playing. So cut to 2015 fifth edition rolls around. And I'm like, that's enough. I want to play D and D. And my buddy Yuri Lowenthal, mm-hmm. uh, a VO artist extraordinary, he's Peter Parker in the Spider-Man video games, uh, and he's also in Arcane. If you haven't watched that yet, which is it. fantastic, is yeah, that shows ridiculously yeah. good. Yeah. So, so Yuri, literally, I post this on Facebook, and then 
an hour later, I shit you not, is a knock on my door and Yuri standing there with the starter kit going, <laughs> me too. Me too. I want to play too. And he hands it to me. Uh, this was probably 20, yeah, 2015. Yep. So he hands it to me and I'm like, that's it. We're going we're gonna to get a group together. We're going to play D&D. And then I booked 12 monkeys and went to Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> so that... Right when, I, when I get back. So that got paused. Yeah. Cut to late 2016 uh in the middle of uh season two to season three 12 monkeys terry metallis who's the showrunner mm-hmm. writes me and he goes you need to get in prison yard shape for season three i'm like dude i'm 48 <laughs> and then uh he's like he's like telling me all the reasons why yeah. he's like you're going to be doing a lot of stuff where your character gets no spoilers but yeah. i get captured and i have to get sort of shredded yeah. and i'm like how much how much time do I have? And he's like, you got about four or five months. I'm like, that's doable. So hired the nutritionist, hired the trainer, the trainer. Uh, so I go to my buddy, Blair Herter, who is now an exec over at G4. Uh, he was co-owner of a gym, a nerd themed gym. So I, I go to that gym. The trainer uh, was this gentleman uh, and, uh, and uh, lady, they are now husband and wife, Christy Black and David Nett. They are big D and D enthusiasts. In fact, when I was working out, they were also training Matt Mercer and Marisha, uh, like, it, like. <laughs> so, so I'm working out with these guys, and I'm like, David, please, can can I can I D and D? He's like, <laughs> he's like, when you get when the show is done, because I was going into the final two seasons, yeah. and we were shooting them back to back. He's like, when you're done, we'll get a table together. So then the show ended late 2017. Started having our session zero late 2017. We started actually rolling dice 2018. So now I'm at a table. Uh, go, now that same table going into our fifth year this year. Nice, uh, nice. Yeah, and then while I was doing that, my at the time ten uh, year old daughter was like, what, "What's that, Dad? What mm-hmm. you doing? Because that looks awesome." And I'm like, <laughs> "Well, I'm. I guess I'm busting open the starter kit and uh, going fan delver for you." And then so that's how I had to start DMing. Yep was by necessity because my daughter wanted to learn how to play D and D and we grabbed a, a, you know, there's nothing better. What's that uh, old Greek myth where you put a bunch of rocks in your mouth to be able to speak uh, clearly. Like if you can learn elocution with rocks in your mouth, when you spit them out, you'll speak really clear. Huh. Uh, I, I learned how to DM for a bunch of 10 year olds. But, <laughs> so well, I, I had a, I had a somewhat similar experience in that um, a buddy of mine uh, from World of Warcraft days came to me and said, Hey, I'm doing this D and D podcast. Do you want to jump on it on um, the second season? And then literally 24 hours, my son came to me and said, dad, have you, uh, have you ever heard of dungeons and dragons? And it was just like the clouds part. And the, 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 it's like a, <laughs> one, I've never been more proud of you Two, Yes, of course I have. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> and same thing. Got the starter kit. Got Fan Delver and uh, the the beauty of DMing for your kids is they are they everything is new to them. They don't know all the tropes. It's like you know you can bust out the riddle of the Sphinx, riddle of the Sphinx, and they're like, "You're a genius! What this man who <laughs> a beast that walks on all fours in the morning and and two legs yes. during the day and three in the evening? How do you come up with these mystical ideas, Dad?" I'm like, "Well, you know, yeah, I, I was lucky know. I didn't have a kid that goes. I want to do MMA." <laughs> yeah. I'd be lost. I'd be absolutely yeah. lost. Yeah. I would be if my daughter had come to me and like, I really want to cheerlead. I'm like, well, you know, um, okay. Uh, I'll drive you to practice, uh, uh, and I will, I will, I will root you on. 
but but yeah so i my son is an animator and my daughter uh builds creatures and costumes and dms now herself so oh, right on That's so cool. my That's work awesome. here is finished right on that, <laughs> yes that is great apron so you've never you haven't done it messed with any of the second third four it was straight from first to fifth and i went from i went from ad and d uh basic and expert uh right to 5e Wow. 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 The transition is real. That yeah, that's a that's a big jump in um in, in a lot of core. Well, five is so much easier. Yeah. <laughs> it is definitely it's definitely much Your characters don't die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we just we just did an, an episode of our lore explainer on death in D D and all the different ways that which edition was more deadly. Um and uh is Two technically, two is technically two is terribly yeah. deadly. Yeah. yeah. So what? But uh, we, there's a. I mean, the one he has a table of different parasitic infections that you can. It's like you know, it's got stats for deadly urinary tract infections that gives you a really good idea. Was it you that posted about the fact that like specters and and whites would just knock you down a level or two? They can do that. Yeah, they can knock you down a level or two. And then if you died, I think in three, third edition, if you died, you lose a level. You just lost con, I think, in the earlier editions. But you had, yeah. to, you had to do your percentage chance for resurrection survival. Like, there was a, like if you can find yeah. somebody to cast resurrection on you and you don't yeah. immediately get poisoned again, then right. uh, you lose a point in constitution and have uh, to. Yeah. yeah. So, like, what, what specters would, mm. like, if they hit you, you would lose a level and all the bonuses associated with the level. Yep. And, or and, two. And yeah. they could drain you down to zero and then you're, you turn into a specter yourself. So it was, yeah. um, there, there was definitely a lot more one hit kills. And that's. Right. Was that permanent? Oh, was that permanent? Oh, they, oh, yeah. they just hit you oh, yeah. and you went down the level? Un <laughs> unless you have wish spells laying around. And trust me, you didn't have yeah. wish spells laying around. That's what. <laughs> yeah. That, so, so the transition from that to 5e i mean there was a learning curve of course because mm -hmm. i had been away from ttrpg for 35 years right. so uh but yeah i think wizards i mean they boiled so much down to just the d20 yeah <laughs> it's your it's it's your key to most play um and then every every other dice sort of has fancy ancillary yeah but uh but the d20 is is the key to lock and that became their iconography yep. too. Like you show a D20, it just means D and D essentially. Yep. Um, and then I think they learned that people just love their characters. And so let's make it harder to kill. Yeah. Them. <laughs> it, it's, it's definitely harder to, to die in five E than, than yeah. ever before. Um, and, yeah. and I think five E one, I think it's particularly welcoming to new players. And two, I think it does a better job helping a new player. Like, you know, not come up with a back like back, I think backgrounds like the background system in 5e is one of the best things to help onboard a new player who doesn't necessarily feel like they've read every you know fantasy book is out there that they can that they've got for a reference so yeah do you have like a favorite race class combo or or what, what's your go-to if you're ripping well, when I came off? back when I came back to the game uh, I wanted to at least feel a connection to the game that I left. Mm -hmm. And so I created this character as a descendant of the character that I played when I was 11 years old. And, and, uh, and so he's a half elf sorcerer with one level of ranger so that I could have a breastplate. <laughs> um, and, uh, and now I am a ninth level sorcerer, one level ranger. So I, I've always, I, you know, I played elves, uh, there's a couple characters that I've now just done for one shots mm -hmm. and other campaigns. 
Uh, I have a I have a half orc barbarian that I love named Olka Hunts, who is big Russian. Like he's actually included in Satine's new book. Oh, nice! Her bar, her her bard book. So he'll he'll be canon in that. And then uh, I have a Duragar paladin that I love, and I have a Ratkin. Um, a Ratkin rogue that I love named Bresh. She is, she's just like, she's like Miss Brigsby from uh, Secret of Nim. Oh, wow. Much, sta- uh, much stabbier. Much stabbier. Um, <laughs> much stabbier. We know, we know. So, but but I, I've been playing this half-elf sorcerer for a while. So I, I know the ins and outs of a sorcerer really well. Yeah, that's an interesting class to jump into because there was a, there really wasn't an analog to that in the first edition really at all. And it's, it's, well, it's just, it's just again, like five, he goes, how do we make spell casting easier? <laughs> Sorcerer. <There you> go. <laughs> like, it's just, it's just, I don't have to learn anything. It's just in my blood. I just, the it's, I, it's <laughs> magic. I just know magic. Uh, yeah, I am magic. Yeah. I get it. So yeah. the, the characters you've played have had to deal with uh, vampires, werewolves, ninjas, teenage super spies, Jim Gordon, uh, mutants, the Winchesters, the Federation, time travelers, uh, ton of the things you fought are, are innumerable. What do you have a favorite? Mon- what's your favorite monster you like to drop into a campaign, or who's your favorite D and D foe? Um, that's a great question. The first big bad we killed with my party was a mind flare because mm-hmm. they will just mess you up. Um. But we've, we've fought the classics, and I think the, the beautiful thing about our DM is is he we're still playing in Greyhawk. Yeah. And so uh, our DM is, uh, he loves to like roll out a Beholder and roll out a, we just had a showdown with a Red Dragon. Like, it was, it was a game of wits, actually. It was quite, quite amazing. Um, <laughs> I, you know what? I'm never, I'm, I'm never going to get tired of an owlbear. Yep. I'm never going to get tired of an owlbear. <laughs> I, I actually I did a dungeon run game because I wanted to see uh, there was I wanted to see people fight an owl bear in a child's bedroom, <laughs> <laughs> and so so I figured it out story wise how while they're all downstairs eating dinner they hear something upstairs they go upstairs they open the door and there's an owl bear in the bedroom <laughs> the owl bear in the uh, cupboard yeah so uh, I I've had them fight uh, Nalfashni which which will mess you up. And a good old fashioned gelatinous cube. I'm a fan of the Klatnit, classic. Yeah. <laughs> like throw me some goblins. Like a lot of people, uh, a lot of people shortchange some of these just classic badass villains. Um, zombies will mess you up. Like, the, sure. I, I, like I said, my D and was not an anime kid. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I was a Tolkien kid. I was, and so my D and D sort of lives in that, less uh less where everything is fantastical yeah um uh and and uh, things are a little more game of thrones things are a little more grounded uh in that respect and so when i picked like green knight is the perfect D mm-hmm. movie for me where it's like you go well that's a, that's like sort of a medieval landscape what is that <laughs> as opposed to everybody's magic with pink hair and, and whatnot uh that's not where it lives in my heart, I cast no aspersion, right? But that's not where it lives in my heart. Well, and that's how Greyhawk really was set up. Greyhawk was very much the uh, Howard Conan, uh, Conan, Conan, 
uh, sword and sorcery. I mean, if you look at the pantheon, the the Greyhawk pantheon has like six gods of death on it. It, it it's it's yeah. a very different take than what you see. It's in, cold. In- it's stark, and it's a brutal world. It's like it's a, a and again, it's it's all. I guess what's lo- what I love about the game is you know it's it's liquid and will fit many yep. a- any shape decanter, and so 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 there is for the for for the generation that grew up on Final Fantasy and anime, mm-hmm. that's their D and D, that's you, right? Yeah, yeah, so that's that's, that's when you picture fantasy, that's what pops into your head. For me, it's the Rankin and Bass Hobbit, and it's it's all of the Errol Otis stuff, and it's and it's the it's the Bakshi mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings and the, even the Jackson Lord of the Rings, I think captures that vibe. So that's D and D to me. Um, and I'm happy to jump into all sorts of versions. And when I'm streaming with people and that's what they're bringing to the table, I will love yeah. indulging that. But when I'm sitting down to plan a campaign and to run a campaign, it's much more, if you haven't seen green Knight please watch it it's it's a excellent uh witcher is a uh, very mm. close to what D is to me as well yeah witcher is witcher is yeah. so good i'm enjoying mm. the witcher yeah. show i have not heard of green knight unless oh, it's, it, uh, it. Patel. uh it's a film that came out last year mm-hmm. uh and dev patel plays sir gawain uh in arthurian legend uh it's very atmospheric. It's very stark. It's very weather driven. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, like England or Scotland. Um, it's very, uh, and, th- and there are fantastic creatures in it, but it's not like, kind of like when true blood suddenly went, everybody's a vampire or a werewolf or a fairy. I'm like, well, at a certain point, um, if everything is magical, then nothing's special. Mm-hmm. But I, 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 for me, I would go, I like magic being a rare and scary and powerful thing. Right. Uh, I, I like Harry Potter where everybody's magic is not necessarily my jam. Uh, Uh I'm glad it, it it was, it is means so much to so many people. Uh, It just doesn't speak to me in the same way that the more Tolkien uh, I'm reading uh, six of crows right now, which is actually, or the Rafa stuff, Mm -hmm. all of that name of the wind stuff. Like, that's that's where my fantasy lives uh, in my heart. Yeah, so I'm a big yeah. Glenn Cook guy, Black Company, um, that that series, and it's that kind of similar where magic is there, it's in the background, but the it's not as front and center as as and early on. Forgotten Realms, the Ed Greenwood mm. stuff, the early stuff yeah. is there, and, and even and the Dragonlance stuff definitely lives in that more stark. Mm-hmm. Uh, stark place yeah, yeah. So, uh, dragonlance is almost really a little post-apocalyptic when it starts with a little bit, a little bit of a, a vibe bit. um so you speaking of uh, uh, one shots you've done one shots for jaspers and extra life and and more um as a dm to me that's the most stressful thing to run is a one shot you're like man i've got no to be continued i've got nothing extra i can add to that um yeah. do you have any tips for for running a one shot what's your strategy when you kind of come to to play one of those so I have, I've run more one shots than I've run ongoing. Oh, wow. Uh, I was for probably four years, I was doing a one shot a month, nice. uh, crafting a new, crafting a new one shot every month. Cause part of the joy for me is bringing it to people who've never played. Right. And that's, that's the best way to do it is you go, here's a beginning, middle and end mm-hmm. sampler platter. If you like it, 
then you can choose to continue. Uh, I always say a one shot. So if, if a campaign is Disneyland, mm-hmm. you take the players, open the gate, they can go to the different lands and they choose their path. Then a one shot is a little more of the haunted mansion. Mm, I actually okay. know you that put, you uh, put them on. There's a lot of rides I didn't ride, but that one was very slow and easy to get through. You take them through it, but, but it, but it's finite. Yeah. Uh, I always think of, uh, one shots as, uh, as it's a beginning, middle and end. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, so the two things that I start with is, uh, I start with an environment. Oh, you know what? I'd love to run a desert adventure. I'd love to run a snow adventure. I'd run to a jungle or a swamp or something. And then go, okay, well, then I'll just start breaking out some of the old books and then looking at the monsters that are in those environments. Then I figure out what the final event is. Mm-hmm. Like, what is the aria of the piece? Then I can build backwards. Right. So if I go, it's going to end with uh, closing the time gate. Right. Or whatever it is, right? <laughs> and and there's some evil gnome druid who is underground in a in a room of gems because that you just start building and plussing and plussing and plussing. It's like, okay, well, that's the destination. Right. Now I can build the journey to that and then go, well, a one shot, depending on we'll say three to five hours, mm-hmm. depending. Well, my buddy David Nutt said one encounter an hour. He taught me, he's like, just build one encounter an hour. So five three to five big encounters. See how they all then lead up will add up into be- and they will be informed by the environment that I chose. And what is, so if I know what the payoff is and it's, yeah. it's true with, with writing, then you're just building your structure of, of your thing. How do I get them into the story? Because, you know, if, 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 there's the old adage if if the if the end of the story takes place on a boat you started in the desert right so that there's there's a there's a place for them to get to uh there's a journey an inherent journey of like how do we get from the deserts to to the ocean um so they have to be traveling they have to be moving through so it 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 often it often starts with the villain's plot Mm -hmm. okay that's I, that's that's really cool that you find the setting and the, the climax and then kind of work back from there. Yeah, that's definitely that's definitely a good uh, a good tip. Speaking of, so you've got a really deep, obviously improv background, both Second City and then I'll, I'll just a ton of other improv stuff you've done on your own with um, in Austin. Yeah, I, I, see, I didn't see the Austin stuff. What did you What did you do down uh, I here? I did a lot of uh, uh, out of bounds. Uh, the Austin the Improv Festival. Uh, cool. I've done I've done that uh, performed and taught there quite a bit i brought a show that i called uh that, that i called uh that's called the doubtful guests which was a that we were victorian spirits who were killed at a brothel fire yeah. and uh are 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 uh, named sort of inspired by the edward gory book but pluralized um our guest at the end of the month our, is actually the critical hit improv D show that's going on down oh, here cool. regularly so that's what so uh so yeah so i've done that and i've taught improv uh there uh, I did a show called Mayfly there quite a bit. Uh, I've performed out of the hideout uh, and uh, okay. just a lot of improv in Austin. With um, And I know this is kind of like asking a mechanic, what's one easy tip to make my car go faster? But is there like an improv tool that you could give to, to a role player to say, hey, look, I know uh, uh, a lot of times that particular character 
characterization point can be tougher for new players. It can be harder for new players to step into it. Yeah. Is there like, like an intro, improv tip that you could give to a new player to help them kind of get into that into that mindset? Mindset. Um, the biggest tool that you have is listening. I think. Well, a cell phones are death at a table, um, but uh, listening really hard to your partners because that is where the inspiration let your part see we often think of what cool thing am i going to do but in improv it's how can i make my partners look better so how do i include my partners and inspired by by them so the the improv tool of listening and then heightening and exploring that which is coming from the table the group the dm uh that just keeps you moving forward we spend a lot of time and and i've done far more tabletop than i have uh streaming and streaming is a different world it's yeah. for an audience and so there's a lot of it's a it's a different beast but you know i'm more at home at the table uh and as a dm uh, I'm constantly collecting information that's coming from my players so that I can spool it out and give it back to them and use it to pay off something down mm -hmm. the road. Uh, it is, it is, it is a, uh, you're just data mining, yep. constantly data mining. Every, every word, what cannon will be used against them in, in the future? Yeah. Um, yeah. We have to watch out. What we say. Oh, no, 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 I'm kidding. I'm just saying that because yeah, they, I mean, they're, they're totally yeah. we're going to pause. We're going to pause right here while you guys write down the listening bit that he just said. Would would you guys get out your notepads <laughs> and write down hear, the listening bit? Uh, yeah. Uh, Jamie, Jamie's not here to take notes. So uh, that's yeah. So happen. we're screwed now. I'm going to have to make <laughs> you guys watch this back as a training video. That's fantastic. I was thinking how I'm going to jump off of my next vehicle. That's what I was thinking about. <laughs> I, I'm, yes. I'm going to admit that, like, just listening to Todd and the passion he speaks with all this is actually like, like, it's like really cool. Like, it's hearing all the different ways to really kind of think about this is actually really cool. Yeah. Oh, good. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a, like, the best game in the world. The. Uh, Oh, don't start. <laughs> Do not start. Give me a better one. Do not Give me a better one. Oh, Go. I'm a video gamer. I, I listen. I just they're not mutually exclusive. They're different experiences. I I'm classic Street Fighter Two Tournament Edition. That's me. So you so you like melee? You like getting into the scrum and fighting? Exactly. Yeah. He plays a rogue in every game out there. We uh, every <laughs> Destiny. A game he's a there. hunter. Wow, he was right. Like, hey, Todd the Tiefling is is a swashbuckler rogue. Like that is uh, Harlan's got Harlan's got a type and he's consistent with it. So I, I yeah. Monk will be my type soon. Monk you do, <laughs> you got some real hardcore monk in me. That's my friend me. Cynthia Marie, uh, who uh, she's on Sirens on Gilding Light mm -hmm. on Satine Show. She she did a home game with us and it was all monks. Yeah. Oh, this, which was right. really cool uh, because you sort of feel like you're in a movie very much because you go, we are a team yep. and we are all operating sort of with the same tools. And as a DM, she tuned the adventure to support that. It was great. Yeah. It's, it, they, they just got done with an all monk fight. Um, kind of the opposite side of it and, so and uh, on the back of airboats uh, in, in a snap. <laughs> so uh, there was a little bit of a Burt Reynolds-y slash Kung Fu situation going on. <laughs> that feels right. Uh, and that, that's, that's, that's not where we're at. Um, the uh, Speaking of video games, uh, well, let's jump forward. You just uh, wrote, uh, were co-writer of a game called Forspoken that's coming out in, yep. the, in the spring. Um, can you yep. talk a little bit about uh, about what that game said? I saw your, your call out on Twitter for, hey, what's a real immersive RPG the other day? And I, I went in Wildermyth. Please check out Wildermyth. If you have, and I went, oh, he's asking for console. Wildermyth is PC only. 
But if you haven't yeah. checked Wildermyth out yet, um, it is. I don't have a PC. Oh. I can't check it out. It's coming to Switch soon if you have a Switch. So it will, I have a Switch. It will be out on Switch soon. But it is. It does something with character narratives that no other video games really oh, that's out cool. there. Um, but uh, talk a little bit about Forspoken, if you don't mind. So uh, Forspoken is a game that's coming out in May uh, for uh, Luminous Productions via Square Enix. Um, it is a fantasy RPG uh, kind of open world. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to think what I can say. Uh, so I was brought into it uh, with Amy Hennig. They're, they had been working on it with a, a group of writers, uh, uh, Gary Witta, and, and had assembled a writer's group to world build. And uh, they they kind of brought stuff up and then they, they, they fleshed stuff out. And then uh, Allison Reimer, who was part of that group, then... Uh, when they finished, they brought Amy and I in to sort of take what what they had established and really t- shape it into story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Amy went to go work uh, for Skydance New Media. She is Skydance New Media. She's the president of Skydance New Media. Um, and then Allison came back from working with Gary. And then Allison and I continued to flesh the story out and 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 uh flesh the characters out uh and then write the script so it has been a very like you know if you don't know how video games are made mm-hmm. it's a it's it, it's it's a very fascinating process because you are uh you know it's like it's like you're in pre-post you're in production pre-production and post-production kind of all at the same time uh so so it, it is a really uh, fascinating process now so that's that's all the logistics of it but yeah Har- harland actually went to school for for game design and took classes with, right. with dave arneson no less so oh, he, wow you know, yeah he's, he's got some salty dave arneson stories um, i have a goblin named dave in the corner oh, and then i have a drag i have a dragon and that man cave is way bigger than i have I a thought. dragon named gary there you go <laughs> yeah you got to keep them right in opposite there. corners from what i understand yeah, yeah, they yeah. are <laughs> yeah, he was he was not too much of a, a fan of that guy when when no, he speak. No, I can't imagine. But congratulations! What a cool thing. Yeah, I was a yeah, I, I was a video game programmer. Uh, on the cast, we have three program mm-hmm. video game programmers. So we That's was in amazing. industry. So yeah, you know it. You know yeah. it. So you know that the like like the art informs the story, then informs the level design, which then the level design informs the narrative and informs the art. Like it's. Yeah. It's constantly it's it, it's it's a fascinating process, and I had started. I mean, I had I had initiation by fire with the Star Wars mm-hmm. game with Amy, and so I was pulled into that, and and so it's been a fascinating journey thus far. Am I allowed to ask which Star Wars game? The one that never got to come out. <laughs> Okay. Uh, untitled, heavily called, speculated about Star Wars game. Call it was called Ragtag Project Ragtag. Um, <clears throat> it was uh, it was. Uh, the the studio was oh wow why is my my brain just died uh we were it was for ea um Mm -hmm. and uh we we uh i was brought in so the quick version i was hired as an actor on uncharted 4 Mm -hmm. to play sam uh no no uh nathan's brother Mm -hmm. and uh and um that all got weird over at naughty dog yeah and Amy was no longer working. Uh, and then, 
I was no longer working on it. And then Amy was like, I have this opportunity. And I had, I had sold a pilot to, uh, to the sci-fi channel. So I was already kind of digging into the world of science fiction and writing and, and whatnot and kind of proving my uh, stripes there. Um, and then she's like, you know what? Uh, I have the opportunity to do a Star Wars video game for EA. Uh, Visceral uh, was the was studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I have an opportunity. They did uh, Battlefield uh, and they did Dead Space. So uh, I had the opportunity Ooh. to, Amy was being brought on to do this game over there. And she's like, do you want to come and co-write it with me? And I'm like, how quickly can I say yes? Like <laughs> the opportunity to like Star Wars, Star Wars is like I was eight years old in mm-hmm. 1977. Like I am sitting here because of star Wars yeah. and she knew that we had many conversations. And so, uh, she brought me on board to co-write that. We co-wrote it for three years. And she, um, Amy Ennings behind, uh, was behind the legacy of Kane and soul weaver. Just yeah. some of my, like some of my favorite PS one games. And I was like, Oh, who is this? And I, I'd looked her up and I was like, Oh <laughs> shit. That's who that is. She's incredible. She, did the, she created the Uncharted franchise. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I could I could see why you would love it. The chance I was like, oh, she's that, and she now she. Well, I was hired as an actor, and then she and I just spoke the same language while I was working as an actor, and then I had already you know we talked story all the time, and she's very collaborative with her actors, and she was like, oh, I think this guy would be a good partner in crime, and we've now are collaborating on our third game together. Can wow. can you talk at all about the Marvel game? And what's what's going it's on? What, it's not what you just said. It is that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Message received. All right. So, well, speaking of collaborations, then uh, Mystic Libations, uh, your collaboration yes. with a former Disney engineer. Um, I'm a big Imagineer. fan. Imagineer. Imagineer. I'm. I got. It. I'm sorry. I I, I, <laughs> I grew up uh, in Florida. Um, was a big Disney kid growing up, and Imagineers is such a just a cool title. And yeah. Epcot. Like the, the promise of Epcot that never got fully realized is one of the things that still haunts me as a kid. I was like, that was supposed to be the city of the future. Um, like when you see that scene in Iron Man 2, or yeah, is it yeah. Iron Man 2? Where he's the Howard Stark's got the pavilion of the future. That's Epcot, man. That is 100% a yeah. callback to Epcot. Yeah. But so when I saw that in there, I was like, holy crap, imagine here. Um, but I, I, I'm a big fan of themed cocktail books in general. I've got Dungeon Meister. And when I, when I was looking at this, I was like, okay, cool. There's a, I was like, oh shit. There's an adventure in here. There's NPCs, there's lore, there's magic items. It's a really cool product. Um, what was, what was the Genesis of, and not, not bad drinks, by the way, too. The, uh, I highly recommend the cantrip, uh, <laughs> the cantrip sipper. I've been sipping on it all, uh, all, all show. What kind of, what was the spark of that? Where did that come from? Kind of walk us through the, the history of that. Uh, yeah, I, I, um, I, so Brandon Cleely, who is, uh, my co-creator on this, um, also known as Trader Brandon. He is neck deep in tiki culture. Mm -hmm. He was the art director for Trader Sam's, uh, at, uh, which is the tiki bar at Disneyland and Disney world. Um, he also has a website where he sells tiki inspired glasses and shirts and things. And he's got a character, Trader Brandon that he wrote comic books for and his wife and he were big fans of 12 monkeys. So mm-hmm. he does this thing. He does like an Instagram live interview thing called, um, called, uh, Trader Brandon transmissions on his Instagram, uh, page. He DM'd me and said, uh, Hey, uh, would you want to be interviewed on this? I see that you're into a lot of nerdy stuff and I'm into a lot of nerdy stuff. And, um, uh, 
would you like to uh, be interviewed? I'm like, absolutely. So we get on the thing, we start talking and we have a great interview and we get along and he plays Fireball Island uh, and it's a really fun tabletop mm-hmm. game. And and so he's a gamer guy, but he'd never played D&D. Mm. So I was like, allow me to introduce you. <laughs> so after the, we got off the phone, we just kept the, the relationship going. And so I sent him the player's handbook and I sent him some dice and, and he sent me some trader Brandon merch. And so we just begin this little bro fest and, and then we started playing. I, I actually brought him to his first game, uh, but it was all on zoom. Cause we're in the middle of lockdown mm-hmm. at the time. And then I was like, you know what? We should make a cocktail drink so that to kind of connect us all, no matter where we are, we'll make a drink themed after this week's game. And he's like, I got all the, photoshop skills i'll make a real cool looking recipe and you name it and i will come up with the recipe and we did it we sent it out and then everybody at the table was drinking the same drink and it was kind of a a fellowship moment Mm -hmm. like everybody was feeling so separated and disconnected because we it was the you know the early days of the pandemic like i think we're onto something so we make two or three of these and then after after about the fourth one i'm like I think we have an idea here. Yeah. Let's keep going with this. I go, do you think we could make a cocktail book with these recipes? And he's like, you know what? Yes. In fact, I will enlist. And so he called his buddy, Roy, who is a bartender at Trader Sam's. who's a mixologist, like serious, uh, to craft all the recipes. Um, and then, and, and Brandon's wife is also knee deep in the culinary parts of, uh, of of uh disneyland so she did the drinks of galaxy's edge like she's wow yeah so she's she is in it and and he himself has ridiculous uh page layout skills Mm -hmm. so he's a very talented art director and artist and i'm like okay well then i will generate all the narrative content I will help flesh out the characters and write anything that's like written in the D and D realm Mm -hmm. other than my buddy, David net, who, uh, who actually did all the statting for the NPCs and the magic items. And, uh, he did all the, um, the, the, the Bardic subclass that's in here. Mm -hmm. My buddy, David net, who's my DM. He fleshed all that out. Uh, Roy did all the recipes. We found a bunch of great artists to do all the cocktails and to do, um, to do like the the character portraits and everything. Uh, and then I did, I wrote the one shot at the back and made the maps. So it was a real collaboration. Then we was like, well, once we've assembled the team, let's kickstart this thing. Cause that's the greatest way to lick your finger and stick it in the wind to see if you've got something. Yeah. And lo and behold, we funded in a day and then it just kept going. Uh, we pre-sold a thousand copies and, uh, nice. and then we made enough, uh, off the Kickstarter to be able to create even more copies. Then that led to nerd circus. I needed a platform that I could sell the books out of and nerd circus also was part of my, there it oh, is also <laughs> part of my, um, my idle hands during COVID. Yeah, nerd, nerd Circus Man is um because I'm I'm late seventies, early eighties, and the aesthetic of that website and the and the gear that you've got, I was like, it was just like, oh yeah, yes, please. Like, they, like it it checked a lot of boxes <laughs> right off the rip. I, I was like, oh, this is this is my this is my childhood. This is perfect. Like the 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 dice tower and the the yeah. the uh the the yeah. dice trap, the the Moloch dice trap. Let me see. I got I got 
one of them here. Here we go. So yeah, so I um I was a kid who grew up playing D and D in wood panel basements with orange shag carpeting, and so in the nerd layer I put orange shag carpeting. Um, we had our Atari twenty six hundred in one corner, mm -hmm. and we played D and D in wood panel basements, listening to classic rock, sticks yep. in Kansas, and and all of that stuff. And that was that's that feels like home to me, and so I wanted to create merchandise that came from that space uh that felt like okay if i'm going to enter into this nerd merch site or set, uh playing field i want it to come from my heart and i want to give people a little bit of what i love about this thing because dnd isn't just at the table it, it extends into the aesthetics and the joy and what what fun so so when when I, when i had a, a dice tower built i wanted to be wood paneling with orange shag carpet <laughs> and so uh, this guy out of florida charles thurston like makes made a dice box that had orange shag carpet in it <laughs> and, and 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 wood paneling uh and it's shaped like a cigar box because if yep. you were a kid then that's what you kept all your merchant yeah you, you, cigar you boxes dice and crown royal bags those were crown the, royal the, bag. <laughs> the original royal dice bag. bag man it was a crown royal bag for sure crown royal bag. so that's why my bags are purple <laughs> um so the so the whole idea of the website was to 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 kind of harken back to that warm mm -hmm. feeling that i always got from D D. Because it would just, it, it's Stranger Things. It's sitting in the basement yep. with your friends, rolling dice. Uh, and it just feels like home to me. And so so when I was thinking about all the things that I've done in my career with like Supernatural and all of it, like, and then I'm a collector of toys, like my life is a nerd circuit. Mm -hmm. Like it is. And so it just felt like the right playful thing to do. Uh, and then my son, remember those old, um, those old uh, Burger King glasses. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like the star Wars Burger King. So yep. we made my tie glasses. Yep. Um, my son designed them. And so it's, it's like a little, a little nerd master marching with all the toys that are in my thing. And my son designed the glass. And so because we serve my ties in the cocktail book, I wanted to sell my tie glasses, but I wanted them to feel like those old Burger King glasses. Yeah. Those, <laughs> so everything comes from that space. I had the, the Star Wars set and then the Muppet movie set. The Muppet movies were such a big part of my childhood too. The, the Muppet movie yep. glasses. Muppet set. movies were a, a SNL primer. I have all the uh, Burger King glass. Or, oh, uh, nice. The original posters from those. So it's a sickness. No, look, man, <laughs> like there, uh, Satine Phoenix referred to you as the Willy Wonka of Los Angeles. And as you, and I was like, first of all, that's a pretty beefy compliment. That's a that really is a, one. that is a big hat to live up to, but God, God bless it. And <laughs> seriously, that logo is incredible, man. When I saw that, I was like, that is a, like, I just, just so, and, and as you look through, and, and and I mean, this is going to sound a little bit pandery, but it is what it is. As you look through <laughs> Mystic Libations, you look through the website, you can see the care there, man. From the from, from the from just that orange that hits you right as you go to the to the website to the layouts in Mystic Libations, you can tell, man. This isn't just hey, this is let's let's crank yeah, something I out mean, and do it. it. It well, the truth be told is like I'm not doing that for a living, right? You know what I mean? Like the only reason to make it was because I love it. And it came from absolute 
love. I am a collector of toys and dice and t-shirts. I only wanted to make stuff that I would own myself mm -hmm. and I wanted it to feel and have that vibe of where, of, of what was the, the doorway into, into, to D and D and nerddom for me. Like when I was 11 and I, nothing's changed <laughs> when I was 11 talking nerdy shit with my friends and playing D and D like I, I wanted to, to give, that experience to people so they at least get like here's a little piece of my heart yeah. and and uh and hopefully it'll liven up your table and uh and you'll have some fun with it well I, it, mystic libations i think is a fantastic like if you're going to do a pirate themed campaign pick up mystic libations pick up secrets of the salt marsh you have a fantastic setting and all the boat rules you could ever need and yeah. mix up some mixed drinks and and have like I, those are like if you're looking for a good dm tool set those are the two i would go right off right off the well that's and that was the thing is we wanted to like each chapter which is each chapter which is like rum and tequila gin mm -hmm. and vodka and then all your whiskeys and each chapter is themed with a story narrative of how the characters in the book acquired those drinks <laughs> um and so there is a whole chapter that's like a pirate themed chapter and then it all pays off mm -hmm. in the one shot at the back so um so which the, I don't want to give anything away, but it's a little Jumanji-ish. The, uh, the, the, the Bard subclass is the Arcane Mixologist. Uh, if, yeah, if, Arcane Mixter. If, if, you're, if you're game, I'd like to spitball some other drink or bar-inspired subclasses for other classes. Always game. Okay. We're going to run down the list here. The Artificer. Uh, thoughts on the Artificer. I, I, I had uh, Distiller, possibly. An Arcane Distiller would be, would be good for Artificer. Nice. Um, the Barbarian. Uh, any thoughts on a barbarian? Uh, a barbarian. Well, barbarian is clear. You're a bouncer, right? Uh, uh, see, I had fighter as bouncer, and uh, maybe sports uh, sports bar rowdy or soccer hooligan for barbarian. Oh, so what kind of bar mm -hmm. are we in? Where are we? Well, I mean, well it's, it's the bloodthorn. The bloodthorn <laughs> is the bar. <laughs> the okay. So, so uh, what's fun is that uh, moonshiner. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> A lot of them are outlanders, so they're they're living in the hills. There you go. Um, so, in Satine's uh, a Satine's book, my my orc barbarian or half orc barbarian, um, he's now because I've played him in in streaming campaigns, but now he owns clubs in the Bardic city of Solvana ah, okay. in <laughs> Satine's book. So now he dresses like prince. And he has <laughs> like oh, yeah. one of his tusks was broken off, so he he, he gold plated it, and he's just <laughs> he's just he's like a he's like a, a impresario now, and he owns like three clubs, but he has a, a battle axe called Grandpapa, which is made from the leg bone of his grandfather, <laughs> and uh, and uh, and so he's never and it stays under the bar like a shotgun. If he has to like take take out his little barbarian ways. It's always there waiting for him. But instead, please sit to have a drink. Yes. <laughs> you, you, you had us at dress like Prince. But he's got like but like Prince, like not like the uh, around the world in the day prince with the cloud suit. More like the uh, purple rain prince, which I saw that concert. <laughs> that tells wow. you how old I am. Wow. Yeah, yeah. But with the Edwardian cuffs and the big purple jacket, like it's and the long, the long jacket, like oh. that prince with the hobnail, the hobnail boots. 
Uh, that's the exact image that came to mind, so I'm glad I got it right. For <laughs> right. <me. laughs> yeah. The one on the motorcycle on the poster. There you mm-hmm. go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So let's. Uh, we got we got barred down already with our arcane mixology. The cl- what about cleric? What would be a a, uh, a domain for a bar related cleric? Well, come on. Tell me what priest isn't frequenting a bar. He's, he's, just, he's just sitting at the end. He's the Irish priest at the end. Bless you, my child. Bless you, my child. Uh, dr- druid. One for the Holy Spirit. <laughs> druid. Druids? Druids are the ones that are making all of like the craft beers because it's all like, this one's infused with rosemary. I'm like, keep it. You keep it. I like that. All right. I'm good. So we're doing bouncer for a barbarian. Where would you go with fighter? That's fighter be- security. Mm, okay. Okay. Like a bouncer is letting you in and out of the door, but ah, the fighter okay. is like is is like you know walking the floor like the pit boss. Not broy, not bro, dude. It's with the, with, his, with his fraternity. Pardon me. I think if you're going to go frat bro, you might go paladin frat bro. Um, <sighs> we'll, we'll we'll get there though. Monk drunken master is pretty much a given, right? Yeah, I think we can check Absolutely. that box. Paladin, Paladin was one that I uh, I struggled between. Okay, am I going to go designated driver for Paladin or for Ranger? <laughs> one of those two has got to be your designated driver. Either either the Paladins because they're holier than thou, or the Ranger because they know how to get home from anywhere. Yeah, the Rangers are your designated driver. Uh, rogues, uh, pickpockets are. Uh, in, in, <laughs> well, uh, like where are they in the in the bar itself? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I got That's pool. A good I, I got pool hustler. For Damn real. it! I was, you beat me to it. I was definitely going to say pool shark. That that yeah, pool that, shark. That, That's great. That, that or your guy who's doing the suspicious bar bets for free drinks. It's in the way that you use it. Yeah. <laughs> sorcerer, give it. So that now we're in your home turf. Sorcerer, what would you do for a bar related? Well, they're 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 running karaoke night because they're making all the okay. pyrotechnics. There you go. <laughs> Uh, I had warlocks down as social influencers because if you're making a deal with the devil, then yeah, you are an Instagram influencer, probably. <laughs> or they're the landlord. <laughs> there you go. And yeah. then uh, wizards. What, what do you do for wizards? Well, wizards are keeping all the recipes. Okay. Because okay. they got all the books. Yeah. Uh, so they're the uh, they're the uh, they're the uh, they're the, uh, the bookkeeper. I go. Yeah. <laughs> so you you wrote a uh, a long running web comic. Um, I did Spring Hill Jack, and I think did that did that just uh, that was the Jack Spring Hill Jack Spring uh, Hill, Devil there. Inside. There we go. Jack, uh, Devil Inside. The um, that was a collaboration from the guy who was doing the artwork on Heroes. Uh, where yeah, he, so he did the hero. Dennis Calero is his name, and he did the uh, Heroes web comic, which is how we met. So being an old uh, old comic book nerd to see myself drawn in a comic book and and he was a fan of a show that i was on called the riches mm-hmm. and so when i found him on twitter i had used his drawing as my avatar on twitter and he's like oh look some a-holes using this guy's avatar <laughs> and then he's like oh he's the a-hole so he, <laughs> he, he came to town he's based out of new york he came to town and um uh he uh was like do you write and i was like yeah i have this idea uh, about the devil quitting and going on the lamb, like an FX type show, sort of uh, breaking good. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, and he's like, well, well, let's. He goes, I'll draw it. You write it. We'll put it on the web for free and see where it goes. And so uh, it blossomed, and we would keep going back to Comic Con and collect up all of the uh, the printed editions uh, every year. And I would have fun people do the forward like Dana Gould and Amber Benson and Doug Jones. They would do the forwards to the book. Mm. Um, and then universal optioned it for a hot second to try and pitch it as a TV series. 
we didn't sell it because it was right around the time that people weren't sure if horror was going to mm-hmm. work because it was literally the year that uh, Walking Dead was premiering. Mm. Um, then Preacher came out and it was like, oh, well, I guess we're not doing that. Yeah. Uh, but we sold, we had a blind script deal. So that just meant, okay, they would pick a different idea that we would get paid to write the script for that and they would own that script. We sold that script. It was a space show called Clandestine about uh, a series of uh, sort of space mm-hmm. uh, clan of uh, of like travelers, very much like the riches of clan of travelers who discover an empty Starfleet ship-ish, shave off their beards, put on the Starfleet uniforms and pretend to be. So it's like, what if... What if Han Solo had to pretend to be Picard, mm-hmm. which was essentially the, the premise of it. And, uh, and that was kind of the writing. I was writing on that when Amy uh, enlisted me to start writing Star Wars. Yeah, I, I stumbled across the kind of an early synopsis for that. And it was described as swashbuckling sci-fi. And I was like, oh, God damn it. I want this. Please tell me that this was happening. I know. But- I know. So what had happened was we had submitted our script and our series Bible on a Friday and Monday our our network executive was fired. Oof, yeah, it's, uh, so everything that he was, was uh, developing went out the window. Uh, one show that was already picked up to pilot that got picked up to series right at the same time, 12 monkeys. So go. it all worked out. Okay. 12, I mean, 12 monkeys is so good. And is one of those shows Thanks. that when, I mean, I'm a huge fan of the original movie and I went, okay, guys, you're going to remake 12 monkeys let's see how th- and i went oh shit it's oh shit it's good damn it it's good i gotta watch it and deacon is just a fantastic anti-hero is the is the i'm the, the the guy that says the quiet part out loud character very much um it, it very much zork fox very much zork fox just ordered mr glycations oh there we go guys, <laughs> guys i seriously i cannot recommend it enough it is uh the drinks are fantastic it, it's a nice I will mail it tomorrow i'll throw in some dice zork fox whoever yeah, orders you. on this you get a fifteen dollar bag of dice for free, and they're they're lava lamp dice. So don't don't. don't <laughs> they're, they're, they're they're pretty cool dice. Part uh, of the theme. Part of the theme. The um uh the uh, uh it, very well done. I think I think you guys got uh, a little bit of a weird deal with it, like the way that they put out the third and fourth seasons. Right? Didn't they do something weird with how they released them? Well, what they did was they ordered season. What was beautiful is they ordered seasons three and four at the same time. Yeah. And they knew it was finite. They said, okay, we're going to order season three and season four, and you will be done. The series over. So the beautiful thing was the writers knew they were ending it. So they could shape everything to be able to land on a dime. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not for nothing, whether I was on it or not, it's one of the finest series finales of all time. Um, I don't want to spoil anything, but it is like one for the books and I'm super proud to have been a part of it. Um, so what they did do for season three is they, you know, they're just figuring out release structure Mm. is they're like, we're going to release the whole thing in a weekend. You can binge it, but it was not a show. People were used to binging and it's a, it's a speculation show. So it's the kind of show that you want to watch an episode, get online Mm. and then talk about it with your fellow 12 monkeys nerds and then wait to see what happens. But when you, when you have a show that's bingeable, you kind of cut off the conversation because people are watching it at their own speed at their own time. 
and there's no room for conversation. There's just, Oh, you got to watch that show. Yeah. As opposed to Holy crap, which is what they do on D Disney plus they go, here's an episode yeah. of the Mandalorian talk about it all week until we give you the next week, uh, which is just better release structure for certain shows. Oh yeah. Absolutely. And, absolutely. and our audience was already conditioned to be part of that release structure. Uh, and they just, and, and so then the second for season four, I think they did it like three episodes, mm -hmm. one week and three episodes, one week and three episodes or four episodes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I highly recommend it. Yeah. You're in season three of heroes where you play legally distinct from Marvel comics, multiple man, who's one of my favorite X-Men, by the way, Eli. Uh, uh, and I was like, Oh man, multiple man finally gets his due. We just can't call him multiple man. Um, no. <laughs> I was a big fan of that. Uh, uh, season four of Supernatural. You, it, it, my favorite Supernatural episodes are the ones where they do the weird shit. Um, it's yeah. it's a good show, but when they do the weird Scooby Doo themed or black and white monster movie tribute themed, um, such such a freaking great episode. Um, yeah, it was a treat. It was a treat to step into those um, those big shoes of Bella Lugosi. It was really <laughs> fun. And I'll tell you, the mileage that. I have gotten off of that just in terms of the longevity of I did this show. I did that show 13 years ago mm -hmm. and people still talk about that episode because it was so unique and it was a black and white episode. And I think it was also one of the first times you on some level sympathized with the, mm -hmm. uh, with the villain. It was a very humanized villain. Um, and so I, th the, the writing on it was just chef kiss. And so, uh, the fact that, uh, I got to be part of that and I had done a pilot with Jared Padalecki. I knew him when he was 17. So mm -hmm. it was a, it was a old home week coming back to do that show. And then to, to be a, a classic Hollywood, uh, horror movie fan to play Lugosi's Dracula, not just Dracula, right. but Lugosi's Dracula. Yeah. It, it, it's such a unique look, man. And it's, it's we do, we actually do a supernatural rewatch and uh D and D homebrew show for our Patreon That's content. Cool. Uh, and you know, when we started doing it, cause jazz had never watched supernatural at all before jazz. And we were like, wait, how, how has this happened? Um, yeah. uh, so we started doing it for bonus content. Uh, That's and, uh, we realized, okay, he's going to have to watch ahead at some point. Cause the pace that we're doing him at, it'll be 2037 before we finally yeah. get all the, uh, <laughs> yep. the, the episodes out. Uh, 20, 27 felt more accurate. You also done a ton of animated voice work, including one of my favorite cartoons. Well, Phineas and Ferb. Uh, wait. Yeah, but I didn't do a ton of it. No, no. Okay. It's, well, it's, you know, it's, it's, there are people out there, Yuri Lowenthal, no, Nolan North, who've done a ton. No. <laughs> uh, I, I, have dipped, uh, I have dipped a toe or two. So Phineas and Ferb, uh, I think you're credited as additional voices. Um, it was, did you ever get to ask, uh, aren't you a little bit young to be dealing with a bulldozer, did you yes. did you ever get to deliver that line? No, I am uh, I am Jeremy's father mm -hmm. primarily, and then I've like was some like nerdy teenagers mm. and a bunch of things on that. That's uh, that is, uh, and I had met Swampy at a uh, backyard table read for something, and then uh, we then met again because he's a surfer, and I was out in the ocean and <laughs> we're like, Hey, we just saw each other at this thing. He's like, you want to come in and start doing voices for Phineas and Ferb? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> um, what? Is it like, is, like, right, right now? Is it like that over there? <laughs> uh, is it their studio on the beach? Um, but yeah, so, so I just, that, that was just one of those, 
happenstance, you meet, you meet somebody in the water and blossomed into uh, a couple jobs. It was fun. Any future comic book work coming up anytime soon, or is that is kind of a pen in that? Uh, right you know, now? I'm, I, I have uh, I have an idea for a graphic novel that uh, I'm getting people to look at. I had pitched I pitched a Swamp Thing uh, black label to Vertigo before Vertigo collapsed. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a Vertigo boy, like mm-hmm. like. Sandman is maybe Sandman and Lord of the Rings are my two like favorite pieces of literature. And, uh, I, uh, so I love, I love all of that vertigo stuff. And then I pitched to vertigo and, uh, I just sold another book people. Thank you guys. (laughs) Uh, like I said, I will be, I'll be sending, I'll, I'll send along uh, dice with it. Oh, also just while we're on this subject, uh, you will also get a Spotify playlist of classic rock that you can boop. Uh, so, <laughs> nice. so you can listen to the music that I, that I listen to when I'm prepping my D and D or doing my games. Um, so, uh, so yes, in answer to your question, I, I, am always interested in pitching comic books. Um, and I do have an idea for one that I would like that I've actually paid an artist to create pages for, and I've written a pitch deck for and stuff like that. Yeah. Any, uh, any, any chance we're going to see you in the background of the D and D movie? That's coming out. Uh, Not a chance. No, okay. <laughs> just thought. Just thought I'd throw it out. I was like, man, they really should have because you know there has been such a blossoming of uh, vis- visibility of actors and actresses that are into D and D over the last five years, ten years. It's like th- when that movie got produced, I was like, please tell me that you guys are going out to the LA D and D community and bringing those people in at least a little bit. But it doesn't. Uh, but that's <laughs> naive. I know that's naive. I know it is. But I, you know, I hope. You dare to dream. So no, it's not like they were like going to like comic book nerds when they were casting Iron Man. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, that's true. That's true. Uh, I think there's a few that make it into a couple of the, the Iron Man two uh, and Thor two. I mean, they they're, well, they, no, well, John Favreau. <laughs> John Favreau was a comic book nerd. Mm-hmm. I believe Taika is as well. Favreau has uh, really found his sweet spot as the kind of architect of new new star wars man the yeah. mandalorian and the book and of fat yeah. like that is I, yeah. I knew john back in the second city days so it's been fun to watch his his trajectory yeah it's been really fun well, well cool guys you got any questions before we throw it out to the chat i have one you said that uh when you was getting back into D, your friend yuri knocked on your door with the fifth edition book was starter, starter kit. kit right Hey, do you play yeah. with him? Because you said you went to Vancouver, but did, did, he, did you ever get? I back went to Toronto. Toronto. Mm. Did you get back to playing with him? So, so Yuri is now also part of my ongoing that is DM'd by David Nett. So I've been playing D and D with Yuri now, going on five. Okay, years. good. Oh, yeah. Just want to make sure you got yeah, back to make sure <laughs> of it when we were putting together. And David actually already knew Yuri. So it was just a no-brainer that we were going to be doing this together. And I've known Yuri for 25 years, 26 years, yeah. Okay. Since my New York improv days, yeah. S- same campaign over five years or different? Have you guys cycled? Same through? campaign. Wow. Wow. Impressive. Impressive. Yeah, I thought, that's I the, thought me and that's Anthony the had to go Pardon? Was going, uh, one of our other cast members and I have been playing in a campaign or had been playing in a campaign for three years and we finally wrapped that thing up, but five, five years is still going. It's impressive. Jesus. Yeah. It's, 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 we see no reason to stop. I mean, we're, it, it is, 
you know, in this in this in this day and age where you know video games are so prevalent that uh, it disconnects us in a way. It connects us in one way, but then disconnects us because you're alone on a couch with a headset. You're mm-hmm. maybe talking to people, but the, the the fellowship of gathering around a table and ordering a pizza and pouring some bourbon, getting out the minis, getting out the getting out the 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 like just just diving into it for six seven hours it's just there is just nothing like it yeah. nothing like it yeah and this is why i built i built the uh the nerd lair for this purpose it was like it is it is a temple to dungeons and dragons and uh for my friends to play in you know i know manganella or manganello 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 there we go thank you so much uh, i grew up in florida and texas i don't know how to say anything correctly um <laughs> sure. we uh it gets a lot of press for the gary gygax memorial dungeon um and it's it's definitely absolutely cool but the the kind of the real rec room vibe that you're that that when you when you look at the stuff that's in your back i was like this feels a little bit more authentic you know what i mean this feels a little bit more uh no, you know what every it it if feels right to you because it's what you grew up with yeah. right I, I everybody the game is so again it's so pliable and, mm-hmm. and, and i have yet, I, I mean i know joe but i have yet to uh go to see that space um but it's glorious mm-hmm. like it's 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 he's got a huge beautiful table and he like they're they're very like conan driven aggro and so the fact that it kind of looks like a, a cathedral it fits his personality it's mm-hmm. big and it's beautiful i'm just a nerdy toy collector and so uh i think there's room for all of it and mm-hmm. when people come to my space it's it's that vibe and, and and i'm giving you a piece of my heart uh to to play it here and you go to joe's and he's giving you a piece of his heart because these are his aesthetics so so uh there's just it's just such a big playing field you well, know and, it, and there's room for all of us and that's i mean that's what i've described D as a radically inclusive activity you know what i mean because i think i think really at its heart that's what it can be it can be there's no really wrong way to play it as, yeah. as long as everybody's you have a good session zero everybody's playing the same type of game that they want to play yeah. there's so much flexibility in it and and who can participate in it and who can have fun with it agreed it is uh i mean it is the best game I've ever played, and, and, and I'm super into it. So. Uh, I have a, I have a quick uh, well, question. Um, what you got, Mom? So you do uh, you like to play with very tangible stuff, like with pulling out the minis and all that? Do you use any yeah. uh, computer aids? Like we use D and D Beyond um, on our campaign, and it really uh, fastens the learning curve. I think. I. I um. I, I use D&D Beyond when I'm prepping. Uh, I will also use it to help people. If they're just doing a one-shot, I will use it to help them roll up a character. I, I'm i a pencil and paper dude, and, <laughs> and I came from the game with pencil and paper. I spend so much time looking at screens in my life <laughs> that and typing that the one place where I love it to be analog and tangible and erase my mm. hit points and write them in. That's just me being a, a grognard. I, 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 I love it. I, but during the game, someone needs to look up a spell, do it. Mm-hmm. Like do it. Use, use D and D beyond use your, use your thing. If someone at my table wants to use their iPad for their character sheet, 
please, I don't want to dissuade you from your experience. I love the pencil and the paper and the eraser and the, like, I, I don't, I just don't want screens mm-hmm. for me. Now, the irony being so much the last two years, I've had to play D and D on zoom yeah. and, and, uh, I, I don't use like roll 20. I don't use virtual tabletops. I don't do any of that. Uh, when it comes to zoom, it's all theater of the mind. I'm not propping up cameras to shoot the, uh, to, to shoot the minis. I'm also not manipulating digital maps. It's all theater of the mind when I do zoom. Yeah. The, a very long answer to your like very that. short like question. No, really answer. Answer. There, there is something to be said for the old school goldenrod one E sheet that you would erase till it was almost pure white because you yeah. had to w- wipe out your hit points so many times yeah. and, and bring it back. Yeah. But, but my, with my kids playing, having their character sheet on that iPad for their spell list has been such the best tool for, for my kids. Well, I will cut and paste mm-hmm. all of my spells into onto paper, print them up so that during the game as a player mm-hmm. i am turning pages i want to turn pages i don't want to swipe yeah <laughs> i got you a real a, a, a real like a real mage i appreciate that <laughs> yeah i mean but but look I, I, I and i am not allergic to video games I, it's part of my income <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have a ps5 a ps4 an xbox uh, 360 xbox one and a switch like i have them uh i don't do pc but i have all the game systems i was playing uh dishonored 2 right now i love it mm-hmm. and i'm playing a game called sable from last year which is just it's like playing a mobius painting it's amazing um so i love video games but that is me on the couch doing a solitary thing. But when it comes to the fellowship around the table, mm-hmm. I just like this. I like the toys. I like the stuff. Give me minis. Give me monsters. Give me Dwarven Forge. Give me, I, I got a smoke machine for my <laughs> mini setup. That's awesome. That's, that's, cool. that's, that's goddamn dope. awesome. Cool. Let's be perfectly clear. Um, yeah, there's a thing called the, the Fog Monster, which is a mini smoke machine that only it only runs on water so it, it, oh, it's nice. not even you don't even need fog juice it just makes a low rolling mm-hmm. mist that then fills out your <laughs> you have an led copper. so you can change the lights on that i'm just getting really deep in the fog machine <laughs> that's not code for his bond anymore, just for to be clear that's uh Guys, do you have any other questions for for Todd before we throw it to the I, chat? We're, I've got, we're running uh, up on the edge. Hopefully, one one real quick one. Yeah. So um, through the process of this, you have filled up my browser with so many tabs for recommendations <laughs> for things to go and check out and or purchase. Uh, Mystic Libations will definitely be on that list, mm-hmm. but because I've got so much now, I'm going to wait till payday. So <laughs> I'll, I'll get all of that there. Um, do you have any others at this point? Yes. If you want to be a dungeon master. <laughs> um. I highly recommend Sly Flourish's Fantastic Adventures. And I, I recommend this to you, uh, your surly DM, uh, Turner, because uh, they're all one-shots. Oh, nice. And they're, what's great about them is they, they allow you to have the cadence mm-hmm. of how a one-shot spools out. He's got he's got a couple of them, Fantastic Adventures, and then there's one called uh, Grendel Root. Uh, they're both, Lazy Dungeon Master books are fantastic too. Um, so, so if you want to learn to DM, or if you are DMing, but like want to get your mind around one-shots, mm-hmm. the Sly Flourish uh, stuff is fantastic. 
really fantastic um, to give you the shape. And then, so that's how I started. I started doing fan delver for my daughter, but then when I started doing one shots, I just, my buddy, David net said, grab Sly flourish, or he gave it to me. Uh, and then I just started running them and then slowly started to homebrew within them till eventually it's like, what is it? Uh, there's an old Greek myth about the boat, but it's also Grandpa oh, Dax. Yeah, yeah. At some um, point, it stopped being his adventures and started completely uh, being my own. Because as I slowly started swapping out his stuff for mine, mm -hmm. but I still use them for references. Um, but I, but a, if I, if I was going to say one, if you were going to make one purchase right now, get that Art and Arcana book, just to have for your collection and read it cover to cover. It is so wonderful and joyful and uh affectionate uh and really informative for anybody who is uh, who takes this hobby seriously so my the order of my list right now is the arts and archon that was already there before you before you said that last part but that was the first thing i'm buying then it's mystic libations then i'm I think I'm going to go with the, uh, the Fantastic Adventures after. And yeah, then so as soon as Forspoken is available, I'll be getting Forspoken. Yeah, <laughs> Forspoken will be out. You can pre-order it now, but uh, it'll be out May 22nd or 24th. Yeah, I'm excited about it. It's it's You know, it's funny because I've written television pilots that didn't get produced. I wrote a video game that didn't get made. I, I co-wrote... Suicide Squad 2 before James Gunn took over the project and did his own script. So I've had a lot of wonderful experiences writing, but this will be the first time I think uh, a big thing of mine is hitting the marketplace that I had my hand in. Uh, you know, look, we are just one small part of a very, you guys mm. know, you're video game makers, one small part of a big machine, but it'll be very exciting. Uh, and just we just wanted to write something wonderful and fun and you know my my experience in, in fantasy bringing that to the table yeah so uh, exciting it's all exciting but yeah uh start with art and arcana start with art and arcana that's that that and, and kyle is such a good person and the whitwers are wonderful and john peterson knows what he's talking about it's a really wonderful book Cool, cool. Thanks for the recommendation, sir. Gang in the chat, yeah. uh, we are coming up on time, but does anybody have any questions for Mr. Stashwick before we wrap up here, gang? Ask away. Uh, and if you have the extra money, get get the special edition of Art and Arcana because it's it's it, it it might not be too much more now just because Amazon tends to reduce prices of things. Mm. Uh, but the special edition is beautiful, and it comes with a lot lot of lovely guga. So Zork Fox asks, have you ever had a group fail during a one shot or campaign and how did the players handle it? And how did you handle it? There is no failure in D and D. Um, there's only yeah, good Turner. story. So, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> like, like my, you know, it's so funny. I, the most controversial tweet I have ever done mm. in saying that, that this was a controversial tweet is I wrote in D and D, Bad roles equal great story. Mm -hmm. And I got pounced. I got pounced on. <laughs> really? I got pounced on by by the Twitter sphere. Like, well, that's not actually baked into the rules. It is in other RPGs. But it, I'm like, actually, and, and mm -hmm. I took a picture of the Dungeon Master's Guide where it says so. Uh, but I said, because if there aren't bad roles, it's like, well, Frodo got the ring and threw it into the volcano. The end. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Now. 
Like, there are nothing but bad rolls all through. <laughs> all through. Like, it is nothing but bad rolls. So many inside checks. <laughs> so many inside checks. So he gets bested by a spider. Like, <laughs> yes. Thank God he had a healer among them. And he had a, he had a small, like, look, Samwise Gamgee is the MVP paladin <laughs> of that story. But, uh, but, so there is no failure. There's no failure. Even death is good story. Yeah, for sure. There's no failure. Yeah, guys in the chat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have you? Uh, let's see. How do you encourage players that might have a hard time getting to, into RPing? Mm. Well, look, everybody. Um, everybody approaches the game from different places mm -hmm. you know when we were kids we didn't rp we would say what our character was saying yep. uh, i go up to the guard and uh i ask him um about uh when the fishmongers uh come and go during the day uh, as opposed to dear god i have but a question <laughs> for you like we didn't do that when we were kids yeah and so the RPing thing is all a matter of taste. Mm -hmm. I do it when I stream mm -hmm. uh, and I do it more as a DM. I will do more voices as a player. I don't RP at the table much. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't want to encourage uh, RPing is a broad thing, right? RPing just means making decisions based on your character and their background and stats. Mm -hmm. Like your character is as much their stats as they are their background and let the, let the dice decide the, the fate of your choices. So, uh, the RP can mean a lot of things. It's not cosplay necessarily. It's not dialects. It's not improvising scenes. It can be, right. but role-playing just means I'm not Todd Stashwick in this game. I am Perry Blackwing Bly, Sorcerer Ranger. That is a role that I am playing and playing by rolling dice. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people think it needs to be improv theater. It doesn't. Mm -hmm. It can be whatever your group is comfortable with or whatever. Maybe this player wants to do a voice and do a scene with me. And look, I'm down to do a scene with anybody. I'm an improviser. I will. I'll, I'll, I'll go tie to tie with a character with him all day long. <laughs> but, um, but if this guy is not wanting to do voices, I'm not going to make them uncomfortable because I want them to enjoy themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we hundred uh, percent on the same page. We uh, we we've had an entire episode about there's no wrong way to play Dungeons and Dragons, and that's and that's very much the guy who shows up into the table in full Elizabethan dress uh, to Harland, who won't even admit he plays D and D, even though we're on a podcast trying to promote that we play D and and and, ce and celebrate everybody's playing style. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, how was uh, how was doing the Kim Possible movie? Mister Bible Pants asks. It was the time of my life <laughs> because here's the thing: I had just come off four years of basically performing in a submarine whisper. <laughs> when you do science fiction shows, it's so funny because you'll be at a science fiction shows doing like craft services, and you're all like just joking around because we're all loud actors, and then they yell <clears> action. <throat> <laughs> 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 really 
it's as serious as a heart attack because it's a post-apocalyptic environment. And I came from Second City and I wanted to be, like I was up for Saturday Night Live in 95. Like that was the route. So suddenly to be able to like chew scenery and be huge and dragon, like, oh, I was in heaven. And it was like <laughs> comedy. And then Taylor Ortega could not have been a better, like, improv partner she is ucb and she is uh she is just one of the funniest naturally funniest uh performers i've ever been able to have the honor of playing with and we we got to improvise and come up with bits and just be silly children and it all wound up on screen and i got to be a clown uh and and be like a batman villain uh like from the old series um uh, it was so much fun and and whether you're a fan of the show or not, uh, it's just, it's sort of, it's sort of Austin powers for kids. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's on the Disney channel, uh, Disney plus the live action Kim possible movie. And we had so much, and the, and the kids were great. Sean Jim Brown and Sadie Stanley and Sierra. Uh, it, it was, uh, it was so fun, so much fun. <laughs> and it shows like you can tell we're having a laugh. The uh, and, and later on, you got to actually play an actual Batman villain in uh, in Gotham, which was its own whole level of wacky, which was a Gotham. dude like like I have ha 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 <laughs> and a bat symbol like nice. I am I am I bleed for the bat. And there was just one night where I was in the Bronx shooting one of the scenes. There was a sort of like fight club that was happening. And, and my brain was like. This has happened one other time in my life where I'm like, I'm, I'm in Gotham city. They shot that in the Bronx. Like it is, it is, they shot, they shot that in the Bronx. So it was that scene anyway. Mm. Um, but I was sanctioned. Like it was blessed by Warner brothers at DC that where I'm standing right now <laughs> is Gotham city. Yeah. And the other time that that happened was when I was working on enterprise and, uh, and I had a Lirpa and ears and brows and I'm standing on Vulcan, like <laughs> that's crazy town. <laughs> so, so a little boy from Chicago has been to Vulcan. He's been to Gotham city and he's been to Skywalker ranch. Ooh, so nice. like, I'm yeah. done. I'm done. <laughs> Ticket punch. I'm out. Well, cool guys. I think we're going to wrap up. Uh, Todd has been very, very generous with his yes. time. We appreciate you, you ha hopping on. Um, we, um, absolutely. Yeah, when did we start? When, when do we start? Or when was, is this beginning? I thought we were just <laughs> yeah. shooting shit. Uh, oh, hey, <laughs> hey, look, we'll keep going, my man. We will keep going. If you want to hang out, we, we normally kick off at nine o'clock, but I mean, we, uh, I will, uh, I will go into more 12 monkey stuff and, and throw more heaping praise <laughs> on Deacon. If, if we if nerd, like. we nerd hard. Uh, yeah. 12 monkeys, man. What a show, right? Dude, if you haven't watched it, folks. I, I, yeah, I it, watch seriously, it. guys, if, if you have not watched it, there's, there, time travel as a show is hard to do. To stick the landing on a time travel show and to go into some deep, weird, really cool time travel stuff, that show pulls it off. Into, and you you, you get to do, and I can't really talk about it without, without spoiling it, Spoiler. you get to do something in such a unique way with a character where... One thing happens, and then, like <laughs> there, you, like the, uh, uh, it's you, you brought it up in one of your other interviews. Like you, you very rarely get to do this, and then follow it up with this as a character, uh, with with uh, with an, an, an entrance. It, uh, it was it was un, like the arc of this character was huge. Like where you meet him and where he ends is such a 
mm-hmm. strongly written arc that I was, it was an honor to play it. Uh, and it also leans into my wheelhouse. Like he's described as a sociopathic Han Solo and, and, you know, Terry Metalis and I, we speak the same nerd language. And so there'll be moments where we'd be doing a scene. He's like, he's like, this is just that he's like Venkman, this one. Mm-hmm. So, so I know exactly what he means when he wants a little Venkman yeah. and this, he's like, he's like, this one's a little indie, just, just kind of rattle this stuff off. Like, like indie, like, uh, and so it was to work with the group with those writers, Sean Tretta, Chris month uh, to, to, to work with, uh, that character, that cast, it was one of the most special times in my life. And, uh, I, I, I and it shapes, it shaped everything after. It's yeah, it's it's a really cool show. It takes some really big swings and, and pulls them off. And I know like Negan is the or Negan is the antihero that is, you know, on Walking Dead. Deacon way uh, Deacon Negan in my book, guys, just for the just <laughs> just for the record. Just for the Oh, well, and we were out first. Yeah, exactly. So. Exactly. So if you're if you're looking for a good antihero that right, out Negan's Negan's, go to, go Deacon. So so I will I will I will I will end with this quick story. So I'm at, uh, I'm at Comic-Con and, uh, where I was there for 12 monkeys and I was on a rooftop, uh, and I was there with another actor who I, who I'd done two, I'd worked with two other times in my life. And, uh, we're having a conversation, like, uh, worked with him a couple times. So I hadn't seen him in like maybe eight years. Um, we're having a conversation we're about five minutes, 10 minutes in the conversation. He, he leads over and he goes, so walking dead, man. Good, good job. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. So was that, at that moment, I realized he thought I was Jeffrey Dean Morgan. And <laughs> I have to gracefully now <laughs> go, no, no, no. A, I, I'm on 12 monkeys. <laughs> and B, I'm not. I'm not who you thought <laughs> you were talking to. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, that's uh, oof, that's painful. That is painful. Well, that, I, we're going to wrap it up, guys. I'm going to uh, we end the stream as abruptly as we start on this show. So make stream end you now. Just, thank like, you. you. Just close it. Exactly. We're just oh, just start hitting the buttons and hope it ends. Um, uh, Todd, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it, guys. Everybody who showed up, thank you for showing up. Thank you for buying the book on stream and showing yeah, uh, exactly thank you guys so much how great of fans you guys are we have some uh, in- incredible patrons remember we hit 30 we will have uh uh jamie uh read todd's imdb uh resume in full <laughs> while folding towels dressed as a zelda character not saying link not saying zelda we'll see how it pans out so um if you, <laughs> you can make it happen so guys thanks again make stream end now that is so weird <laughs> 